Good evening. It is great to be with you all tonight uh, as we continue our series on what is referred to as the Book of the Twelve, uh, referring to the Twelve Minor Prophets. Uh, that's minor not as in less than, but minor as in short writings. Now, these Twelve private, uh, Prophets writings were simply shorter than, than the others. And so I have the privilege of bringing to you um, some insights from the Book of Joel. Before we jump into that, though, uh, let's pray and ask God, ask God to be with us tonight. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. God, for your word, we thank you for uh, the privilege of being able to be called your own. We thank you that you are our God, Lord, and that we can trust you, Lord, in all things. God, we ask that you would be in our midst tonight, that you would minister to us, O oh God, and perhaps give us revelation, give us insights on something that we um, perhaps didn't know before. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, and for your grace as they be with us this evening, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I study for this lesson, I realized that it has been quite some time since I have read the book of Joel. And um, most familiar to me, and perhaps to you as well, uh, is the following from Joel 2. I'm going to read this, and I'll see if it rings a bell to you. Uh, starting with verse 28, it says, Then after doing all these things... I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit, even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn to blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. Does that sound familiar? Well, the reason that passage is so familiar to us is because Peter quoted Joel on the day of Pentecost while explaining to the onlookers what just happened. As those faithful 120, 120 disciples waited in the upper room uh, for the outpouring of the spirit uh, that would birth the New Testament church, they're speaking in other tongues and their physical response to this life-changing experience prompted those who didn't know what was happening to think that these holy rollers were drunk. Hence Peter's response, no, 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 this is that. And he goes on to quote Joel to them. This is that which a prophet Joel spoke of. But what surrounded this precious promise in Joel, in the original writing, uh, was an indictment against unfaithful Judah in Jerusalem, who, for the umpteenth time, had forsaken God. And in God's fury, God sends waves of locusts to utterly destroy the land. And by waves, well, that's really an understatement. God sends locusts in such a manner to punish Israel that in chapter 1 of Joel, uh, Joel likens these locusts to an army, powerful and comprehensive in their destruction. Let, let me read a little example to you from Joel 1. Starting with verse 3, Joel says, Fire burns in front of them, and flames follow after them. And ahead of them, the land lies as beautiful as the Garden of Eden. Behind them is nothing but desolation. Not one thing escapes. They look like horses. He's talking about these locusts. They charge like wild war horses. Look at them as they leap along the mountaintops. Listen to the noise they make like the rumbling of chariots, like the roar of fire sweeping across a field of stubble, 
or like a mighty army moving in battle. Fear grips all the people. Every face grows pale with terror. The attackers march like warriors and scale the city walls like soldiers. Straightforward they march, never breaking rank. They never jostle each other either. Uh, each moves in exactly the right position. They break through defenses without missing a step. They swarm over the city and run along its walls. They enter all the houses, climbing like thieves through the windows. Man, these are some treacherous locusts. And as God deals with his special people, uh, or his special possession, as he, as he refers to them in Joel, he calls them to repentance. So Joel chapter 1, verse 12, starting with verse 12, Joel says, Turn to me now, while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Turn to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of a curse. And in appealing uh, for Judah and Jerusalem to return to him, God promises them restoration if they do so. He'll stop the devouring locusts and send them grain and new wine and olive oil. He'll cause their vineyards to flourish and take away their disgrace among the nations. And in chapter 3, when all is said and done, God vows to bring judgment against uh, the enemy nations for how they have treated his special possession. In chapter 3, he says, At the time of those events, says the Lord, when I restore the prosperity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather the armies of the world in the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will judge them for harming my people, my special possession, for scattering them uh, among the nations and for dividing up my land. They threw dice to decide which of my people would be their slaves. They traded boys to obtain prostitutes and sold girls for nothing, I'm sorry, for enough wine to get drunk. He promises to bring his people back from far and wide and to reverse these things on their enemies. In chapter 3, starting at verse 7, God says, But I will bring them back from all the places to which he, uh, you sold them, and I will pay you back for everything you've done. He's talking to these enemy nations. I will sell your sons and daughters to the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the people of Arabia, a nation far away. I, the Lord, have spoken it. Like many of the prophetic writings, it can be difficult to pinpoint when specific events happened uh, or will happen. Joel speaks of events past, those happening in his time, uh, as well as those uh, in the future. Uh, future meaning that the people who were living at that time will actually live to see them. And of course, there were promises to future generations, perhaps even end time promises. For example, uh, we are recipients of the outpouring of God's spirit that Joel said would come in the last days. What's odd about the book of Joel is how little information uh, we find about himself. Besides the fact that we're told that he was the son of Bethel, we know nothing. Joel quotes from many other Old Testament prophets, uh, but doesn't include details um, that places him in historical chrono chronology. And, and this, this brings me to our engagement for this week. Uh, read the book of Joel for yourself. 
as well as the other uh, books of the Minor Prophets. And they're 12 in all, uh, hence the title of this series, The Book of Twelve. Then go to thebibleproject.com and watch the video about Joel and the other Minor Prophets to learn more about each. And over the next few weeks, the pastoral team and I will be bringing you, you know, breakdowns on each one of these 12 prophets and, and the hope we, we can glean something from each one of them that we can apply to our lives and we can learn more about God. Well, I had a short uh, message to bring to you tonight. Joel is literally three chapters. It's very small. And uh, but again, go read for yourself. There's always these insights in the word um, that God can bring to us that we can personalize and, and bring into our own lives. Again, Joel is another example of that repetition of uh, Israel's falling away from God and God calling them back and, and, and promising them restoration. Um, but go and read it for yourself. And hopefully we can learn some thing from, from Joel that will help us to, to be faithful in our own walk, that God doesn't have to call us back. Uh, so to speak, but that we can learn to stay with him because he is faithful. Well, I thank you for your time tonight. I appreciate each and every one of you, and I look forward to seeing you on our next broadcast. God bless you, and have a great night.